Welcome to Building Insight, brought to you by the lawyers at Glayhold Voles LLP. Building Insight is Canada's first podcast dedicated to construction law and dispute resolution. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, listeners. My name is Madalina Sontrop, and I'm an associate at Glayhold Voles LLP. Today, I am joined by my colleague and one of our articling students, Jackie Van Leeuwen. Hello, Jackie. Hi, Madalina. Today, Jackie and I have prepared a discussion on a very timely issue that has been at the forefront of international news. This timely issue is the coronavirus or COVID-19 outbreak. Now, many of you have heard that market reports are projected to reveal a significant drop in factory output, which is in turn expected to have damaging impacts for companies across the world. For the construction industry, this translates to supply chain issues which can in turn prove problematic for the delivery of projects on schedule and on budget. What are some of the potential commercial concerns that arise in the wake of COVID-19? And more so, what mechanisms can the construction industry rely on to mitigate the possible damages that may arise? Many uncertainties remain around the economics of the COVID-19 outbreak and its likely impact on the construction industry. In light of this, I will now turn to Jackie, who will discuss what can be a useful contractual resource available to allocate risk in cases of shortages of raw materials, extreme weather, labor strikes, or for purposes of this discussion, a pandemic. The resource is the force majeure clause. So what is a force majeure clause? It might be better to start by talking about what is a force majeure. Force majeure means superior strength in French. A force majeure clause is a provision in a contract that can be used to excuse a party's performance to the extent that the failure to perform is caused by certain circumstances outside of the party's control. Force majeure clauses typically include a list of specific or extraordinary events which will excuse performance, like wars, hurricanes, strikes, or quote-unquote acts of God. Force majeure clauses also typically include notice requirements, which outline the party's obligations to notify the other party of the start and end of the force majeure condition. It's important for the party who is seeking to rely on the force majeure clause to follow these notice provisions. Force majeure clauses also typically outline the obligations of the parties during the force majeure event. When are force majeure clauses usually used? Force majeure clauses are getting a lot of buzz right now because of COVID-19. However, whether parties will be able to rely on the force majeure clauses depends on their contracts as drafted. Generally, in order to rely on a force majeure provision, there must be an event outside of the party's control. The event must prevent or delay performance of the contract, whether in whole or in part. The event can't be due to the fault or negligence of the claiming party. And the claiming party usually has to take steps to overcome the force majeure event. Parties typically can't avoid their contractual obligations solely because performance has become more costly or more time-consuming than anticipated. There usually needs to be something else going on. So Jackie, once the force majeure clause has been invoked, what is the effect on the obligations of the parties? Well, it depends on the contract, but essentially performance is suspended as long as the force majeure event lasts. There's a difference between a contract that can no longer be performed, where the doctrine of frustration is applicable, and a force majeure clause. If a contract becomes impossible to perform, it may be open for a party to argue that the contract has been frustrated and that the obligations of the parties are at an end. However, with a force majeure clause, the contract is not at an end. 
There are ongoing obligations, although parties may be excused from penalties or damages due to delayed performance or reduced supply, for example. Can you tell us more how Canadian courts have interpreted force majeure provisions? Sure, Madalena. The starting point for the courts is the provision itself, and they'll look at the wording to see how it's drafted. The leading force majeure decision in Canada is Atlantic Paper Stock Limited and St. Anne Nakowich Pulp and Paper Company Limited. In that case, the Supreme Court of Canada established two principles. One, the force majeure event must be beyond the control of the contracting parties, and two, the force majeure event must render performance of the contractual obligations impossible. If the contract is impossible to perform, wouldn't the doctrine of frustration apply? I know it seems odd, but there's no statutory concept of force majeure in Canadian law. The common law doctrine of force majeure may have arisen in part to overcome the narrow scope of the doctrine of frustration. Although force majeure is a popular topic in academic literature and in the media, it's rarely dealt with by Canadian courts. This could explain why force majeure has not displaced the doctrine of frustration. A more recent decision out of the Alberta Court of Appeal, Atcor Limited and Continental Energy Marketing Limited, emphasizes the need to look at the specific circumstances of the party invoking force majeure. In that case, in order to be excused from performance of the agreement, the supplier of natural gas had to show that performance was commercially impracticable or unreasonable. So Jackie, while circumstances always play a role, it appears that the legal test remains the impossibility standard set out by Atlantic Paper. That's right, Madalena. It therefore seems that in context of today's discussion surrounding the impact of the COVID-19 outbreak, force majeure clauses may prove to be a useful tool. Government-imposed quarantines and stop work orders across China, which as you know is the epicenter of the outbreak, have had a trickle-down effect on the world economy. To date, this has led the China Council for the Promotion of International Trade to issue over 1,600 force majeure certificates to companies across over 30 sectors in order to shield them from damages arising from the COVID-19 outbreak for a total value of $16 billion. The purpose of these force majeure certificates is to help Chinese companies deal with disputes with foreign trading partners arising from the epidemic control measures. With China making up around 18% of the world's gross domestic product and being responsible for more than half of the global economic output, it is very likely that the construction industry will be faced with lasting and ongoing supply chain issues. The reality is that with factories across China closed, builders are now facing a shortage of raw materials including plastic, glass, iron, steel, electrical and mechanical equipment, among others. In addition, a reduction in supply of materials from China will likely also lead to increased costs of commodities, especially in material used in construction, which will in turn certainly impact not only costs, but timely delivery of construction projects. It is very probable that we will continue to see an increase in the number of force majeure certificates, particularly with fears surrounding expansion of the outbreak. Clearly, the COVID-19 outbreak is having effects on health, trade, and the economy, but its effects are also being felt even in our office, with one of our colleagues having an order cancelled due to the outbreak. Have we seen anything like this before, Madalena? We definitely have, Jackie. It's notable to mention that the connection between force majeure clauses and global health matters have arisen in the past, with two recent examples being SARS and Ebola. For example, in 2003, the SARS outbreak affected 26 countries and resulted in more than 8,000 cases. 
The World Health Organization classified SARS as a communicable disease outbreak rather than an infectious epidemic, and Canadian authorities did not classify SARS as an epidemic. Another outbreak, which occurred between 2014 and 2016, the Ebola outbreak, was considered to be a periodic reemergence of the virus. However, was this sufficient to be considered an unforeseen event, giving rise to the invocation of a force majeure clause? The question that comes to mind when considering circumstances such as SARS, Ebola, and now the COVID-19 outbreak is whether such outbreaks meet the requisite threshold to be considered force majeure events, and the point in time when a party seeking to rely on the relevant force majeure clause can invoke it. But how will the courts determine if the clause applies to a particular outbreak? With any claim of force majeure, the court will look to whether the circumstances of the force majeure were known to the parties at the time the contract was entered into. With the outbreak example, were 10 people infected? Were 100 people infected? How many infected people raise an illness to the level of an outbreak or an epidemic or even a pandemic? Is coronavirus an unexpected change after the contract and outside of the control of the parties? Is this change so radical as to strike at the root of the contract? Can parties, through the exercise of reasonable skill, find replacement and work around COVID-19? These are all very relevant questions, Madalena. Another interesting point I think this raises is the issue of climate change. What point will the events and material shortages caused by our changing climate cease to be considered force majeures and be considered foreseeable? How about major changes to the environmental laws or regulations which apply to a project? Even further, what about the recent protests and rail blockades in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en nation? These protests have impacted the trucking industry and have in turn prevented goods from being shipped by rail. It's likely that these disruptions will also have a negative impact on the construction supply chain in addition to any impacts created by COVID-19 and could lead to the invocation of force majeure clauses. I completely agree, Jackie, and I think the key takeaway at this moment is that while strikes and protests have commonly been recognized as force majeure events, it remains to be seen how Canadian courts will apply a novel health-related outbreak such as COVID-19 in context of contractual force majeure clauses. These kind of events truly emphasize the importance of a strong supply chain. So how can you ensure a strong supply chain? Well, think about where your materials and supplies are coming from and plan accordingly. It's generally difficult to rely on force majeure clauses, so proactively ensure your supply chain is resilient. This involves things like avoiding reliance on single sources where possible, building deep and strong relationships with suppliers who will look to you first to ensure your orders are fulfilled. It may end up costing more to select material specifications and suppliers who are more flexible, but this can be money well spent in terms of risk mitigation. You can also consider a proactive procurement and built-in float for critical materials which are susceptible to these kinds of interruptions. It's always better to be proactive by ensuring you have a proper risk allocation scheme in place and a strong supply chain. However, if the unexpected happens, it's important to take steps to mitigate the effects of the unexpected event. So Jackie, what are some of the steps that parties may consider to mitigate their present exposures? Well, Madalena, the reality is parties have to discuss potential scenarios transparently and focus on identifying their exposure and on how this exposure flows through to their clients. What exactly is the extent of the duty to mitigate? Well, the extent of the duty is unclear. Some contracts may stipulate due diligence, at core articulated commercial reasonableness, 
What the parties can do is they can specify in their contracts the extent of the duty to mitigate. When it comes to health-related force majeures, contract drafters can consider words such as outbreak, epidemic, plague, and quarantine to capture both the outbreak itself and the effects of the outbreak. So can parties contract out of their duty to mitigate? They can, but if they choose to do so, they should use clear and unequivocal language. To build up on Jackie's comment, the same can be said with force majeure clauses in general. It is definitely worth taking a second look at boilerplate force majeure provisions. Each construction project is different and all risks should be considered each time a new contract is being entered into. It is wise to use specific and concise language and sufficient detail to ensure risk is being allocated as intended. It is also important to include and clearly describe trigger events, duration, notice requirements, and what the effect of the events described in the clause are to have on contractual obligations. And lastly, seek legal advice and draft your risk allocation provisions with your specific region and project in mind. So in other words, expect the unexpected. Thanks, Madalena, and thanks to our listeners. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit glayholt.com for more information. If you have any questions, email us at info at We look forward to having you join us again.